Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. We've been waiting for you. We pray this message inspires, encourages, and blesses you. Thanks for listening. Amen. Ready for the Word of God? I know you are. We're in the second week of a series called... The blessed life. The blessed life. Now, some of you even hearing the word blessed or happy in church is just like, what? Mind-blowing. It's like, isn't God like stingy and miserable and wanting my life to take on that same you know, pathway, just miserable? You've got to understand something, that God's plan is not to make us happy, but a byproduct of connection with Jesus is natural joy in our spirit that even is greater and in more depth than happiness of the world can ever offer. I find when Jesus is number one, even the pleasures of life are more pleasurable. Why? Because he didn't create us void of the pleasure meter. He created us with emotions and with a sense of all those things that we long for as human beings. But he said, put the right things first. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you as well. So to speak about the blessed life is even mind-blowing for some of us, because even the the consideration, in fact, you've got to read Matthew 5. It's all Jesus' sermon, Sermon on the Mount, is all about being blessed. It's upside down to the way the world sees it or would crave after, but it's about being blessed. What does blessed actually mean? Well, it's the privileged recipient of God's favour. If you have Jesus today, you are blessed. Can you speak that over yourself today? Say, I am blessed. Come on, church. You say, I am blessed. I'm just going to tell you, I I reckon you should be saying that at least six or seven times every week. That's one a day. I am blessed. My kids joke around all the time. I say to them all the time, I'm the richest man in the world. They say, Dad, well, we're not in a massive house. It's like, you've you, you got to understand, like, I'm the richest man in the world. I'm speaking over myself, but I'm speaking over their spirits as well, that I'm blessed. I have a wife that thinks I'm okay. My kids laugh at my jokes still a little bit sometimes. My, my chocolate Labrador still wags his tail. I have a house, but I have Jesus. I am blessed. There's a couple of people that are getting into this this morning. Recipient of God's favour and to be fortunate and happy because of it. It it never gets old to me that I'm so fortunate to hear about the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're hearing about Jesus for the first time this morning. I mean, you've heard about him. Yeah, Jesus. And you've seen Monty Monty Python skits and all that. But I'm telling you about Jesus. The real Jesus. Who's kinder than you'll ever imagine. Who's more loving than you'll ever know who has salvation beyond your wildest dreams for you. That's Jesus. Another definition of blessed is supernatural power working for you. This is the kind of life I'm esteeming for myself, for our family, for you, a blessed life, that you are on a different dimension. It's a series, the second week of the series, where we are discovering God's plans and principles for our lives. 
And when we live in his plan, it will truly bless not only our wallets, because I'm speaking about money this morning, but also our lives. The last time I preached a series like this on stewardship or finances was in 2019, pre-COVID. Earlier this year, we took a survey in our church, in our congregation. One of the questions was, was there something challenging for you that something that you were facing that you needed God's guidance and wisdom on. And profoundly, many responses came back and spoke of needing wisdom around money and time particularly. So that's why this series is so critically important for us. I pray that it empowers you not only with finances, but in time and those meaningful resources in your life. Last week, which is really a building block for the rest of the series, last week I spoke about it's all about the heart. And I pray you get on our podcast and listen to that. It will just bless you that it's all about the heart. Matthew 6.21 says, this is Jesus speaking, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's always going to follow your treasure. This week the title of my message is taken from something I used to say in school. The title of my message is, What Test? You, you, you turn up to class and everybody's in their textbooks. and oh, are, you, are you ready for the test? What test? <laughs> uh, I mean, I love grade four. It, it, it was the best two years of my life. I mean... <laughs> What, what test? See, are you ready for the test? A lot of believers take the test and they don't even know. They take the test. You ready? We take the test every time we get paid. When do you get, when do you get paid? Do you get paid monthly? Put your hand up if you get paid monthly. Nobody gets paid monthly. Who gets paid fortnightly? Get paid fortnightly, who gets paid weekly, who gets paid when the job gets done, when the job gets done, you know, the, the bill you know, comes back in, who doesn't get paid. <laughs> All the mums are like, I wish I got paid. <laughs> Alley rate would be nice, thank you. Three in the morning. We take the test of which I'm speaking today every time we get paid. In fact, if you've ever got paid, you'll take the test. The test is who are you going to thank for your income? Who are you going to thank for your income? You see, you take the test by what you do with the first 10% of your income. Who are you going to thank? Maybe we're thanking Visa. Maybe we're thanking Woolworths because it's the first. Maybe we're thanking Empire Service Station, although they'd probably take 20% at the moment. We're going to thank our mortgage. The only problem is Visa Woolies or your mortgage, or Ampol for that matter, doesn't have the power to bless your finances. Here's some first of all things about finances before we continue this teaching. First of all, I don't know who ties and who doesn't. I made that decision when we started the church. That I wouldn't know, okay, Amy, yeah, she doesn't tell I'm going to preach to her. This is for, no, 
I did that so that I can share these messages without any wrong motivation, that I can just preach the word of God. And so I don't actually know. I keep note of who gives in our big legacy offerings because that's attached to a gift of giving that I want nurtured and stretched for the kingdom of God. But I don't know who ties and who doesn't. The second thing about our finances, our, our church is healthy financially. So this is not reactive. Thirdly, there's no personal gain. When tithes come into the church, the, the pastor's wage doesn't go off. He doesn't go off to the Bahamas for a couple of weeks. I probably shouldn't joke about that because it's a touchy subject for some people. There's a set wage is what I'm saying. Both for me and the other pastoral team, there's a set wage. I say all that because of pure motives can preach and teach from the word of God. And if I was you, I think I'd appreciate that. I'd probably appreciate it. Just tell me the word of God. So that's what we're going to get into. Malachi 3, 6. I kept this heading. In fact, I've got on my notes. It's not on the heading there. But the heading is breaking covenant by withholding tithes. This is God speaking. Why do you know that? Because he says, it's I, the Lord. <laughs> Verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So this is 15 verses out from the New Testament. So he's saying, I, the Lord, do not change. The descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from me by, from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, God says, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, but then you ask, this is God speaking. Once again, it's God speaking. But you ask, how are we to return? And God says, will a mere mortal, you and I, rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? It's significant because I can only rob from you if it's yours in the first place, right? If it's mine, I'm not robbing from you. I'm just taking it back. God's saying, you're robbing from me. And this is God speaking, continuing. In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, now watch this. This is significant because it's the only place in, in my recollection in the whole of scriptures that God says to test him. Significant. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you what? The people around you at your workplace will call you what? For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. (laughs) uses the word curse there. It's pretty strong language. And you might push back and say, well, the curse was paid for on the cross. And absolutely, the curse for sin was paid for on the cross entirely, that you would not have to pay for it, that salvation is a free gift given by faith that we step into. The curse was broken in the name of Jesus. But this is, is talking about we've got to understand that we can't, we do something, it has consequence. And so you understand that we just can't live the way 
however, and not have consequence. So replace that word even there with consequence. You can't live any way you want and not affect you. It has consequence. Once again, in Leviticus, speaking about the tithe, the tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. So this is... This is the currency it's speaking in of the day. Soil of the fruit, fruit from the trees belongs where? To the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. I'm going to build on that thought, thought later in our series when I speak about the principle of first. That everything that is first is the Lord's. Because he never comes second. That's just the law of the universe. And so to get in line with the movement and the function of the universe, you put him first and the rest just takes its flow. So this scripture here in Leviticus is why he says, you're robbing from me. He owns it all, but he gives us stewardship and reserves 10% for himself. Here's the first point today. Tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. It's testing our hearts. I always think, why would a person argue about this anyway? God gave his son. God gave his best, Jesus. We trust him with our eternity, but sometimes not our finances. The Hebrew word, you say, what does tithe mean? Well, it's a Hebrew word that means 10%. Tithe, Hebrew word means 10%. 10%. You say, why is it 10%? Well, we'll have to ask God that one day, but to me, it puts us all on the same plane. Whether we earn $100,000 a year or $10,000 a year, it's still a percentage. It's fair to everybody. It's a stretch for everybody. Where many times in the Bible, 10 represents testing. It represents testing in the Bible. The number 10 represents testing. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Come on, everybody. I need you helping out right now. Uh, uh, Here's a questionnaire. So you respond. I ask a question, you respond. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Thank you. That's right. God was testing Pharaoh's heart. How many commandments are there? Ten. That's right. How many times did God test Israel in the desert? If you didn't know, there was ten. You get the pattern here? How many times did Jacob's wage change? Come on, come on, everybody. Hello. How many times did God, Jacob's wage change? Thank you. God was testing him. How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? If you don't know, there was. How many days of testing are there in Revelation? How many disciples were there? Ah, that was 12. (laughs) Some of you yell out 10. We do have great small groups for Bible knowledge. But the the good news, the powering news of it being a test, it's a two-way test. It's not just on you. And by the way, it's not a pass or fail test. It's a test in terms of proving or refining 
like metal is tested. It's put under heat and pressure that, so that the dross, so that the impurities can be burned away, so that what remains is purity. That is the testing. And it's a two-way test. Tithing is a test. Because it's a test for you and I, but it's a test for God. Remember, it's the only place in Scriptures that I know that God says, test me in this. Prove me. See if I'm the real deal. Uh, and he's like, I think he's going, like, get to something really factual. Some parts of spiritual are kind of subjective. I feel God, I don't feel God. But then he says, like, test me in this very down-to-earth, material part of your world that causes you a lot of anxiety and worry sometimes and a whole lot of, you know, even debated discussions at home. Test me in this. That means so much to you and it means so much to me because it's all about your heart and your trust in me. Test me and prove me in this, he says. He says, I want to open up the windows of heaven over your life. I want to open up the windows of heaven over your life. He's really saying, will you believe that 90% with God's blessing will go further than 100% without? One of my friend's fathers, before he was saved, heard a teaching on giving. It was before he was saved. He thought he was kind of a businessman. He was interested in finances. And so he just responded. He began to give 10%. And within 18 months, I mean, you've got to understand the backstory. He was nearly bankrupt. There was whole problems with his marriage was on the line. There was a whole lot of friction there. He was nearly bankrupt. He's got, I've got nothing else to lose. I heard this guy speak about tithing and giving. And so he began to tithe. Within 18 months, 18 months, listen, not, not next week, within 18 months, his finances had so shifted in such a dramatic way that it sent him to his knees. He repented and he gave his life to Jesus because he could see in faction and figures how much his finances had changed and shifted to the point that he couldn't deny any longer the goodness and the grace of God. And so he gave his life to Jesus, 18 months after giving, first beginning to tithe an offering. So that's the first point. Tithing is the test. Secondly, tithing is biblical. You're not a bad person. If you don't tithe, you're not rebellious. So don't talk to you like that. Talk to you as people that want to follow Jesus and serve him with your heart. And so tithing is biblical. That's why I'm opening the scriptures. Once again, Genesis 14. Now, this is for those people that say, oh, it's all about the law. No, this is this scripture I'm about to speak 500 years before the law. Genesis 14, 18, 20. Now, Melchizedek, Melchizedek, king of Solom, or peace, bore out bread. So he was a king. He brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high and he blessed Abram, our father, Abraham, saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praised to be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands. So they're celebrating after a great victory that God gave to Abraham or Abram. Then watch what Abraham does. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So this is 500 years before the law. Galatians tells us that Abraham is our spiritual father. Now, Melchizedek is a type of Christ. 
Some even say that um, it may have been Christ, pre-incarnate Christ, because Melchizedek in the Scriptures actually did not die. And some scholars say it may have actually been Christ. And so it's very significant. And, And further on in Genesis, we see the story of Jacob, where he has this encounter with God and he calls this space that he has this encounter with God as Bethel, God's house, the house of God. Now, this is 400 years before the law. And this is what happens with him. He says, this stone, this is what he says, this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a what? A tenth. In Deuteronomy, this is the, the scriptures that God is, is, is bringing. This is what God's saying to his people. When you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. You have taken possession of it and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits. So what's first? Of all that you produce from the soil of the land, the Lord your God is giving you and put it them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. New Testament, that is his church. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion, and I've removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you commanded. I have not turned aside from my commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I've not eaten any of the sacred portions while I was in mourning, while I was going through a challenging financial time, nor have I removed any of it from while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I've obeyed the Lord my God. I've done everything you commanded me. Here's a question for you. If Jesus himself told you to tithe, would you tithe? Some say yes, some probably, I'm not too sure about that. Some still have to think about it. This is Jesus' words, Matthew 23, 23. Once again, I'm not saying we're bad people. I'm just saying this is the Scriptures. Matthew 23, 23. What's, this is Jesus speaking. What sorrow awaits for teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. So Jesus is actually dealing with the opposite of non-tithe. He's saying these people tithe, but you've lost the heart. You've lost mercy and you've lost justice and faith. Then Jesus continues, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So he's saying he wants us to be holistic in our life. That it's not just about putting money in offering, but it's our heart of generosity. Remember last week, it's all about the heart. Now, let me be really practical with you. How, how do tithes work here at Garden Church? Well, first of all, there's no contributing external body that supplements garden income. Uh, garden Church, have we pray as a leadership team and God has given us vision and we outwork those vision. Um, we have external orders and, and accountants. But everything that you see, not necessarily in this building because it's not our building, but everything that you see and will see in the years to come comes through our tithes and our offerings. Wages are set by pro rata per year's experience and service and they're set by our movement. Once again, I'm just putting it all out there so that there's nothing. What you see is what you get. I'm just preaching the Word of God. And so... 
practically, if this is stirring your heart today, say, well, how did I practically tithe? I'd encourage you to go to our website once again that has the giving details on there. It's a very practical outcome. Hebrews 7, 8. Once again, this is New Testament. Here mortal men receive tithes. You say, how does it work? Well, if I'm giving to God, how does it work? Is there a big suction vacuum that sucks the money up into heaven? You know, how, as it, well, he, he, he explains to us. Once again, God doesn't need our money. He, he wants our hearts, but the two are connected. And so how does it work? Well, here, here on earth, mortal men receive tithes. But there, watch this, there he receives them. Of whom it is witness that he lives. So in every way, God receives your tithe, but the currency of heaven is not dollar, if you're in Australia, um, greenback if you're in uh, you know, America, um, sheep if you're from New Zealand, you know, whatever the currency is, he receives faith because faith is a currency of heaven, but on earth, our, our currency looks like a dollar. But he says mere men manage them, but they're received in heaven, you see, because faith is the currency of heaven. Here's the last, last point here. I want the museos to come. So I said that tithing is a test. Tithing is biblical. The third thought is tithing is a blessing. And this is the last kind of scripture and point that I have here. There's this passage in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 31 where the leader, Hezekiah, was the leader of God's people. The nation had gone into a recession. He gets this revelation that, hang on, even as a nation, we haven't been tithing. So he gets the people back to tithe, to give the first back to God. Now, once again, this is really significant because it was in a time of recession. And so then the people begin to tithe. They begin to respond to the voice of God and the heart of God and the pattern and the principle of God. And so after a while, Hezekiah's like, well, we're in this time of recession. And as a good pastor or leader kind of does, he goes to his prime minister and says, you know, I know it's a time of recession. The people have been giving. And he asked them a really, he asked his prime minister a question, are the people okay? Are the people okay, you know, because they've been giving, it's been a challenging season, challenging time. This is his prime minister's response. Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. (laughs) His prime minister's response is, it's all right. That once we began to bring, the people have been so blessed and there's stuff that is left over. See, almost 29 years in ministry now, I could echo two major testimonies when it comes to tithes and offerings. First of all, the first testimony is for those that tithe without, without a doubt their testimony is, I am so blessed. Secondly, for those people that are non-tithers, their testimony without a doubt is typically, I can't afford to tithe. Here's a kicker for you. 
You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. You'll never be able to have your hands open until it's released. You'll never be able to allow God to put in your heart to trust you with your finances, something that's so close to us. That's why it's even probably a little bit quiet in the place. And and, and I'm really trying to do this beautifully and respectfully because I love you and I know there's a lot of tender conversations around this, but I love you enough to teach you about these things that matter to you. Uh, because if they matter to you, they matter to the Lord. That's why I'm bringing the Scriptures to you today. And, and some of you just need, it's actually a matter of trust. It's a matter of release. It's a matter of God, I trust you. The beautiful way that we do it at Garden is not just say tithe, that we have a lot of small groups that are actually really powerful, empowering on how to manage your money from year to year as well. That It's not just like give you tithe, but this is how you balance. This is... Astounding when you look into it, just how much people spend. Typically in America, I think it's 117% of their income. In Australia, it's about 110% of their income, which is significant when it comes to these things. But right now, we're pausing on that. and We're saying, God, the first is yours. And I'm going to trust you with the rest. I'm going to trust that the windows of heaven are going to open. I'm trusting you that as I give you the first, the rest is yours. I'm going to trust that you can do more with the 90 blessed than the 100 not blessed. That's not in your hand. Let's talk about like this as I come to this last illustration and then I'm going to pray for you. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Uh, Imagine I'm going away. I'm going away on a long journey for some months. And so I trust some of the financial management of my home to three men and I'm going to give these three men, send these three men $10,000 a month and I want them to pass it on to my lovely wife who's sitting on the front row to to my bride. And so Pastor John, can you stand to your feet? Your number one man, Craig, you can stand to your feet. We don't need to be men. Christy, can you stand to your feet as well? And so each month I, I send the, these people $10,000 and all I ask of them is, look, you can keep the 9000 You can keep 9000 but I want you to send 1000 to my wife. Uh, I want you to send to her because, you know, she's got the kids She's got a 16-year-old boy and that's about 10 boxes of wheat picks everywhere. Oh, I, I, I need uh, that to take care of my bride. And, and so I do. I send the, the $10,000 a month to each one of you under the condition. You, you keep the 9000 You knock your, knock your socks off. It, it's yours. It's a blessing. I'm a generous person. But for the first, I want you to pass it on. The first 1000 I want you to pass it on to my bride. And so after a while of this happening, I uh, ring my wife. I say, how's it going? You know, how's the family? Oh, oh by the way, how, how's that entrustment with the finances going? And Amy's saying, well, it's going good. And then also not so good. You know, there's, there's Christy. I mean, she was, she is like the first day of the month, you know, Christy, there's $1,000 she's putting into my bank account every week. And she's just so consistent, so 
so faithful, so generous. I said, wow, that's amazing. Uh, how about Craig? She said, oh, well, Craig, do you, you know about Craig? Uh, do you know, he puts $2,000 in every week. The first week of the month, he's putting $2,000 in. It's just amazing. He's so generous. She's like, really? I only said 1000 but how generous is he? It's amazing. I just really entrust, going to entrust a little bit more to him. And then I say, what about, what about Pastor John? You know, you've got to watch those pastors. And, um, and then there's a pause on the line. And uh, she says, well, you know, he's a nice guy. Um, but I say, okay, what about finances? Well, you know, the first month he sent $700. Um, and then this is by the way, the, the very opposite to who Pastor John is, by the way, so I'm not prophetically speaking this over his life, just so you know. Well, the first month he sent $700, and then the next month it was $400, and then the third month, well, zippo, zero, there was, there was nothing in, in the third month. Pause for a moment. Uh, me as the one that's sending the money, it's mine in the first place. I'm just saying, past a thousand on. How would you think this makes me feel? How do you think, with with particularly Pastor John, how do you think that makes me feel? That I'm asking, hey, nine thousand dollars. I've blessed you. I'm giving. I'm giving it to you. Or, and by the way, let's, let's flick it over to spiritual now. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything on this earth is His to begin with. Body, soul, spirit, everything is His. I'm entrusting you with, in this illustration, 10,000. And John's kind of like, oh, 700 bucks, 400 uh, You say, this is a bit hard hitting. Uh, and this is the point. You can be seated. Jesus has gone away. But He says He's coming back. And He's coming back for His bride. That we, the church, are the bride of Christ. I finish with this illustration because I can guarantee that tithing may be more personal to Jesus than what you think. Can can I say that again? That tithing may be more personal to Jesus than what you think because it's about His bride. And it's a test. Right now, when you stand across this place, I want you to put your hand upon your heart. The Holy Spirit is far beyond the words of man that He speaks wonders. I speak in general terms, but God speaks in specifics. I'm asking you that question now, right now. What is God saying to you? I'm just going to pray into that and then I'm going to pray great blessing and release in your life. In Jesus' mighty name, Heavenly Father, today we just come humbly as your people. Yeah, we have the opportunity to reject your word. But Father, please, please, please forgive our hard hearts. Please, please, please don't let us be hard-hearted to your word. May we be like the soil that the Scriptures speak about, that where the seed is planted and it bears great fruit and fruit that would remain. So each one of our hearts today, I pray the seed would fall on good soil that would bear great fruit and fruit that would remain. Now by your Holy Spirit, speak over your people and into the lives of your people in such a dynamic. May words like this 
God, this is where I'm praying your blessing right now. May words like this just release something. Release something supernatural over people's minds and hearts. Release something, Lord Jesus, yes, over their finances, but over the atmosphere that the world has tried to infiltrate their lives and their world and their bank accounts and their marriage discussions around money to the point that it's a bondage and it's a chain. I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be great release and great freedom. Jesus, you said in your word, we remind you of your word. You said that you do not change. Lord God, I remind of Malachi right now that you'll open up the windows of heaven Lord Jesus over people's lives over their world today because of where your hand lays where your blessing remains I pray for great breakthrough and freedom on your people today over their minds over their spirits over their bodies today in the mighty name of Jesus come on let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise in this place today Garden is a life-giving church with a passionate commitment to help people grow in a loving relationship with Jesus, to gather in a faith-filled community, and to go and make a difference in our world. Find out more at gardenchurch.com. That's G-A-R-D-N church.com. Or on Instagram and Facebook at Garden Church. That's G-A-R-D-N church.